You're listening to Flipping Tables on Sunrise Robot. Find out how you can support us at sunriserobot.net slash support. Welcome to episode, isn't it 123? I think our show doc has it has it wrong. Um, oh my God, you might be right. <laughs> I'm one of your hosts, Michael Edwards. And I am David Lyons. And wow, what a day. Well, first off, before we dive into what's clearly the most important topic of the day, um, first a reminder that we relaunched our Reddit community. So if you want to mingle with other listeners, um, we, we just kind of have some nice after show deep dives into some of the topics that you know we only spend an hour on on an episode. And there's so much more to say. Um, the other little bit of pre-show uh, stuff is uh, I'm recording on my MacBook today, my work MacBook, don't tell them, because um, <laughs> my iMac uh, is in the shop. Um, the actual computer part of my iMac is fine. The software is fine. Um, they, but the hinge, the, 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 there's, there's a spring in it that kind of holds up the, like whatever angle you put the iMac at. And uh, that just broke very dramatically, very scaringly, surprisingly. Um, Wait, so like you were using it and it just like shattered? Um, I was just sitting in front um, playing System Shock 2, which is a <laughs> sci-fi horror game, um, <laughs> when my screen just goes pop out of nowhere and then leans all the way forward. Like, basically a cookie-cutter jump scare in a horror movie happened right <laughs> in front of me while I'm playing a creepy game. And uh, from then on, you know, just lean, it just like sad Charlie Browns all the way forward and there's nothing uh, you can do except... <laughs> Uh, you know, for two days until I got it, a genius appointment, I stuffed a bag. I have a camera bag that was just wedged between the stand and the monitor so it wouldn't hold its head up. Um, it's like its own neck brace or something. Um, but thankfully, took it into Apple, and they are repairing it for free. Um, so that's cool. I'm, this is a three-year-old iMac, so it's not even with Apple Care. I would have been out of warranty. But that definitely seems like a, a faulty part, right? Like, yeah. it's not like you adjust the iMac screen really hardly ever, let alone frequently. So for you to be <laughs> just sitting there and for it to just be like, you know what, I'm going to break my own neck and then just <laughs> collapse under the weight. Yeah. Uh, so that's really frustrating, but hey, at least they're doing it for free and I should have it back within a few days. Good guy. Sometimes Apple Genius Bar or whatever they now call it. What is, I was don't worried. They have a new name for it? The Genius Bar, the Genius Palisade, uh, or something. <laughs> I was worried it was going to be like this is an obscure part. This is a black box machine, and you're out of warranty. How about five hundred dollars? And I'd have been like, ah, this is why people don't buy all in ones that you can't repair. That's why you would have just kept the camera bag stuffed underneath. <laughs> I re- honestly, I would have if it was going to cost me more than like fifty bucks. Yeah, no, that's not. Sometimes you gotta DIY fix your stuff. You can't always uh, you can't always count on external uh, support, especially in an era of uh, what do you call it? Uh, from Best Buy, the the Geek Squad. Like <laughs> yeah. you, you can't you, you can't trust those people and the people in like a shady Kmart parking lot. Like we fix computers. Yeah. So, just System Shock Two is like, that is. I just want to make sure that is like a 
like a 10 or 15 year old game, right? Yeah. And I, since he brought it up, might as well tell the show what <laughs> I told you, which is, it's a great game. Why do I'm not really here to talk about I, I just saw heat. It was a great movie. Um, <laughs> but, um, I mean, you should play it if you like Bioshock. It's like a spiritual precursor. Um, Ken Levine directed. Um, but the ending is, has, has a serious WTF moment. Um, so the whole game is like deadpan serious. It's not like a jokey game. It's not even as cartoony as Bioshock, which even though that's a serious game, um, has sort of like a silly aesthetic at the same time. Um, but System Shock is serious through and through, and you get to the end, and so the, the plot is you're on the spaceship, and there's this evil AI that's trying to take over the universe, and uh, you defeat her in all these different ways. And uh, there's like the, you know, the classic bad guy speech at the end of like, join me, we can rule the galaxy, like Darth Vader thing. And uh, <laughs> so this dramatic thing gets spoken, and then the camera zooms in on your character, who's never spoken the whole game. Wait, this is the first and only thing that he says? Yeah, it's silent protagonist <laughs> the whole way. And, you know, like a dramatic camera zoom with like a, like a sound effect, like, and like record scratch stop almost. And then your character just goes, nah. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, you know, the, the horrible like slow shutter speed, slow-mo raises his gun and shoots. I guess you shoot the screen and it kills an AI. Um, but that is how that works. <laughs> um, but seriously, weirdest, like, why <laughs> did they do it that way? <laughs> yeah, I didn't. So when you shared this clip with me, which will be in the show notes, which you can find at sunriserobot.net slash flipping table slash one, two, three for this episode, the 123rd. Um, I did not realize that that is the first and only word that character speaks the entire game, which makes it considerably more awkward. Like it was already (laughs) plenty awkward. It already had an abundance of awkward. And now it's like somehow more awkward. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's takes you complete like if you were like in, wrapped up in the plot. It's just like I compared it to like if your buddy's like, "Hey, we're getting some Taco Bell. You want any?" And you go, "Nah." <laughs> like that's the level of <laughs> nah that comes out of them. Yeah, it, it's it felt like they were going for almost like a, a Duke Nukemy kind of like you know b- uh, male action hero badass kind of I don't know whatever. Yeah, I'm, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm here to kick ass and chew gum and I'm out of gum kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, So can you bring us into the story that happened today that I think we're going to end up spending probably the whole episode on? Yeah, this was serious business. Monday, June 13th. I can't think of anything else important going on except that uh, Microsoft bought LinkedIn. And we just really need to unpack this for at least an hour. This might be one of our like three hour episodes, I think. Was it like, was it 2.6 billion or 26? 26 billion. 26 billion dollars. <laughs> or as I saw on Twitter, someone said like 18 million billion pounds or however many pounds it works out to. And someone had corrected them, no, it's 26. And they're like, currency, <laughs> America's and everything. Um, no, I'm joking. We don't actually have to talk about LinkedIn because <laughs> WWDC was today. Yay! <laughs> um, yeah, WWDC. Oh man, this was. Well, I guess for one, it was it was actually for developers for the most part. Um, so that's n- nice. Um, you know, I I really wanted some. So uh, let's just get out of the way. Uh, no hardware was announced, and there were a lot of rumors. I wanted 
there to be uh, hardware announced because I kind of want to buy a new MacBook Pro. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I was kind of like, you know what? This isn't a consumer show. So it, it's not, they're not at fault for not announcing new hardware because that's not what this is. Yeah. I mean, the keynote is still for consumers, to be honest, but um, the whole thing isn't for consumers. Yeah, I mean, that's very much the way Google now does I.O., where it's like, yeah, this is, we're dressing it up, but this is still, our audience is developers and tech enthusiasts, like, whereas a, a like an iPhone announcement, like, they're speaking directly to anyone because anyone yeah. is a potential customer for the iphone whereas you know new swift apis eh, not not so much and man they they had a lot to unveil this time and i mean there was an apple music segment but thankfully it wasn't like 40 minutes of drake um saying <laughs> something about something um, um but Every single platform, I, I think there's a lot of solid updates. Like we, we, we're going to snark about stuff that's not new that they're doing, or um, you know, skepticism about maybe some of their initiatives and how good it can be if you don't collect actual data from users. Um, but nonetheless, like I don't know, should we just start going through it instead of trying to summarize? Um, yeah, I, I will say though that uh, to your point or to the point you were dancing around, uh, one of our listeners actually, because we were both tweeting a lot on on you know during the keynote uh, on the Twitters, and uh, one of our listeners actually said, "Like, does this mean I can just not listen to you guys talk about this on flipping <laughs> tables? Because it sounds like it's going to be a lot of snark and hate." And uh, he's not wrong that I was making some snarky tweets about like, oh, Android did this first, or like, oh my god, this is such an obvious jab at Google. But I, I think the 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 positivist in me actually is kind of glad that this is happening more and more because I want these companies, you know, Microsoft, Google, Facebook, Apple, you know, any large like tech company, I want them to kind of be comfortable stealing good ideas. Like if, if Google does something really smart on Android, I kind of want Apple to be like, yup, we're taking that and not be terrified of the impending legal <laughs> battle, right? And and I want them all to do that because then you're getting like the combined might of all of their genius engineers and designers and UX people. And that's like, that's a win for consumers. So the snark aside, I do actually believe Apple shamelessly copying something that Google got right. And then when Google turns around and does it like that, that's a good thing. So yes, snark, but also please keep stealing from each other. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, so many of these updates make a lot of sense. Like there was a lot less WTF than you get. Like there wasn't a ping or um, <laughs> like I said, like an hour of Apple music were like, oh my God, kill me now. Like it was mostly like, even if it's like, hey, I'm not going to use that. It's like, I see that a lot of people want that or that makes sense. Let developers do that. Um, so let's just go through it. Um, watch OS. So as the resident Apple Watch user, I have to say everything they showed looked great. Uh, looked like they um, some of the app switching stuff was like how Android Wear kind of started out in the first place. And it's what Watch OS 1.0 should have been. And the, the main thing is uh, no freaking honeycomb in sight anywhere. Yeah, um, not even a single like quick passing over. Like the honeycomb was nowhere to be seen. Yeah, and uh, if, and it's a big if, if they solved app performance, 
Um, I really like what they're doing in terms of um, they used to have two separate concepts. There was glances and then actual apps, and the latter was a dumpster fire um, <laughs> in version <laughs> one and two. And the former was kind of okay, but apps. And you know, the v- developers didn't they had no uh, computing resources to work with in terms of they couldn't update things in the background so that when you pulled the glance up it would already have important information for you to see. And that's what it looks like they've mostly changed. Is um, There's probably some clever UI stuff going on, sort of like how when you open an app on your smartphone and it's not ready, but it shows you a still image or something else um, to make it feel faster. Um, <laughs> but in, you know, having information updated in the background, I, I saw some of the developer stuff like it'll periodically go to your app and update its UI in the background, even when the user's not looking, so that that still image trick has new information on it. So just lots of clever things like that. Um, so this, this makes me wonder, though, about battery life because you know I have my beloved Moto 360. You have your your first generation Apple Watch. So we both have first generation of those platforms wearables, and the Apple Watch, no question, gets better battery life. <laughs> and they're, they're similar physical size. As far as I know, Apple does not have access to some kind of magical battery technology they haven't put into their other devices for some unknown reason. So presumably, the, the majority reason that watchOS got so much better battery life than Android Wear is because of how limited the things it was allowed to do work because radios cost battery, right? Every time yeah. a radio has to turn on or make a connection or data has to pass over the, the frequencies, like that's where battery goes. That's why people hate the Facebook app so much because it's yeah. just like, yeah, I'm not going to turn off. I'm going to run whether you want me to or not. So I, I do wonder what effect this will have on the battery life. Yeah, and if if their their APIs make it really sippy and not slurpy on your, on your, your energy, um, <laughs> But yeah, it remains to be seen how much they fixed app performance and what effect that has. I still got to say, I get through entire days and like put my watch on the charger and it's around 50%. And I'm just like, oh, wow. Um, yeah, that's, that's good. That's, I mean, I'm, I can consistently get through a day, but there are days where I'm pushing it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm overall super excited trying to remain an adult and not install a beta, <laughs> trying to wait for the, the consumer release since I'm not really a developer and I have no business uh, sitting on a beta. Um, what will probably keep me out of installing the beta is I'm sure it'll for- it would force me to install an iOS beta as well. And I really don't want my daily driver phone to be on you know buggy pre-release software. Well, do you have, so I know you have your iPad Pro. Do you still have a regular non-Pro iPad laying around? You could put the, I mean, that wouldn't help you with the watch, but is that even an option for you? Um, nah, there's Shelby has an <laughs> iPad mini, but I can't, I can't commandeer. <laughs> <laughs> you, you should totally just go stick a flag in her iPad mini and be like, this is mine now. <laughs> no, um, I, I don't have like a, an old, I mean, I have like an original generation iPad in the closet, but that's not going to run anything. Yeah, no, I'm surprised you even have that paperweight kicking around. Um, but yeah, I would summarize the watch OS update as a ton of paper cuts fixed and, you know, there's you know they they're also doing the like letter recognition swiping that uh, Google added to Android Wear, and it's like that makes sense to me. Like I, the tiny keyboard thing is it crazy pants, but being <laughs> able to if I just want to write out a couple words at most, um, going letter by letter in a in a pinch could be 
useful and shouldn't be that bad. Yeah, I think the tiny keyboard is like total banana pants, but the <laughs> the this the writing letters in the same spot over Eat and up, over. Martha. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I think the the tiny letters, you know, drawing with the finger, that makes sense, uh, particularly for, you know, a short message that isn't something you want to say out loud or whatever, you know, like you're on a, a train. Maybe you're even just in a public place where it's so noisy that you know the voice recognition won't work very well. So like the being able to enter characters does make some sense. Um this is the first place where I will mention that uh throughout the show they were really not shy about how bad they want China to love them. Like, yeah. like they were just standing on China's lawn with a boom box up over their head. <laughs> and they were just like shouting, like, please love me, China. Cause it's every single thing, every, every section had at least one mention of China or Chinese or Chinese culture or Chinese businesses. And for watchOS, it was, you know, oh, you can do the the swiping to write letters and it works in English and Chinese. <laughs> and and all I could think was like, and screw you, everyone else, <laughs> like English and Chinese. And if you speak like a Russian or, or, you know, Japanese or French, like get out of here. At least most of those other languages mostly have similar characters to us. <laughs> Yeah, it's. I, I wonder how well it would do with like the. I, I'm sorry, I'm an ignorant American, but like the the accent marks and the the umlauts and the what do you call them? Like you know those little symbols. Yep. Yeah, th- those <laughs> things. Um, but there were two things about WatchOS that that caught me particularly. Um, one was, and and this I, this is just a quick aside, unless you have something to add. But I, I just noticed that when they talked about the SOS feature, where you could like do a little quick button tap to if you're in America, it would call nine one one. If you're in China, it would call nine nine nine. And if you're in like Canada, it would call whatever Canada's version of nine one one is. And if you're in Mexico, it would call you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. so you know that this like button gesture wherever you are in the world will get you emergency services. And I thought that's kind of a weird thing to throw out, but like that is a really cool feature. And they even said like hopefully you'll not have to use it very often, but yeah. We want and it you also to know it's can there. like put your medical ID on the screen. So if there's allergies or anything else that a first responder would need to know, yeah, um, all, all very cool. Um, hopefully, the kind of thing you never need. But you know, it's important to know how the the airbag works, even if you never want to actually see it. The thing that bothered me about that announcement, and the slide was only on screen for just a second, but when <laughs> when he said. And I don't remember who the presenter was at that point. Kevin he, Lynch. Thank He's you. the awkward <laughs> Kevin Lynch is a bingo card. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he said, you know, sometimes you're in, you know, a safety situation. And what is the slide of? It's like an average white woman with an Apple watch on. It's just like, uh, do you have to, does the go-to stock photography for like stranger danger always have to be like a you know the damsel in distress a woman in trouble so yeah. I, I don't think it was necessarily like intentional it's just like i that even was noticed. even in one of their ads though um early apple watch ad was like the two girls at the club and this guy just won't leave her alone and she like taps the secret code to her friend to come come interrupt us and take me away kind of thing yeah save me from this creep thanks apple watch and it's like no this really isn't a technology solution this is like a culture (laughs) solution but anyway i just that just you know (laughs) anyway (laughs) the other thing though the the other watch os thing um was all the stuff they announced around uh fitness tracking for people in wheelchairs yeah 
Like that was super cool. Like the I was yeah. I was enthralled that whole section of the keynote because all I was thinking, you know, as I can I I'm lucky I can walk. I don't have to, you know, use a wheelchair or cane or crutches or anything. I'm ambu- ambu- ambulatory, I think is the the word. Um but the thing I found so riveting about it is like on the the one side you have the obvious like people thought of of this group and they're obviously not a gigantic section of the market, so it's not like, oh, we got to cater to the wheelchair lobby, otherwise we're going to go out of business. So, I mean, <laughs> big, obviously... Big they're, wheelchair. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, they're doing this because it's, like, the right thing to do for people who are often overlooked in this, you know, the fitness space. But I just was blown away by some of the technological problems they had to conquer, like the different ways you would use wheelchair like you would actually you know move your wheelchair forward depending on the terrain you're on and if you're going up at an angle and like i just like these are interesting technical problems and someone in the company had to say uh here is a group of people who are probably not complaining because they understand that this is not designed for them and who are never going to cause us any problems uh, why don't we just do the right thing and help them out anyway? And there were other people who said, that sounds like a complicated technological problem. Let's totally fix it. <laughs> and that's really cool. Like that, that just big thumbs up all around. Very, well, very I cool. Think every once in a while, Apple does really shine in that kind of category of their, their accessibility features tend to be a little above average in, in most of their products. Yeah, and I've I've never, you know, as as an ignorant, able-bodied person, like this kind of thing never even began to cross my mind, right? I just never thought like, well, it would be really annoying if I was in a wheelchair and then once every hour my watch told me to stand up, like how yeah. obnoxious that would be. And now it'll actually tell you... It, time I think, to roll. Yeah, time to roll. <laughs> I was like, that's freaking awesome. Like, that's so cool. I love, I absolutely love that they did that. Like, I don't... There are no jokes. Like this is just only only cool on them. Uh, let's get through some of the other smaller platform updates. So TVOS, um, I only got two tidbits I really care about, and that's one. It looks like they're trying to solve the sign-in app hell of. Um, in the U.S., we have this insane thing called cable companies you may have heard of. <laughs> and a lot of them will let you stream stuff over the Internet as long as you still buy that pesky cable access. But nonetheless, they dole out this access through these awful per-app sign-ins. So usually it's like, go to this web page, slash activate, and then type in a four- to eight-digit code, and then magic happens, and then um, you're in. Um, but with... TVOS now you sign in once and I, I don't know exactly how they're doing this. They've, or maybe they might just be storing the credentials to your Xfinity or whatever um, and then doing all the handshaking in the background. But nonetheless, sign in once and then you can go watch ESPN and never have to think about how that app signs in. Yeah, I got the impression that it's some kind of API wizardry. So the cable apps will now be required to acknowledge you know so apple will say like we know this guy he signed into his you know comcast account and then they'll just have to go okay we trust you secure enclave and you know regardless of how they're doing it this is a little irritating because it's kind of like we have reinvented television with television (laughs) it's like i don't have a magical super futuristic 
TV box device well, so that I can watch problem. live television. <laughs> yeah, but I don't want to watch live television. Like this only matters for sports. Who the hell cares about live television? <laughs> a lot of people that aren't you. Um, yeah, I know, but they're all so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other big TVOS thing, and then I don't really have much to say other than sure, give us a new remote, um, is uh, games, there was a restriction in TVOS where games had to always support the remote. And so even if you're playing a complex like console-level first-person shooter, um, it would have to be crippled to support the remote, even if it also supported controllers. And just forcing that weird... That's gone now. So we might get real games for TVOS. Yeah, I mean... This seems like a no-brainer, right? Like if you had a a PlayStation 4 and you said, well, it has to support the PS1 controller, which didn't have analog sticks, or or if you had like the Wii U and you're like, well, all your games have to support the NES controller, it's just like that... That doesn't make yeah. any damn sense. So this, I think it was just the the overzealous trying to protect consumers from false expectations. Like, just label the apps well. Like, make it clear controller required before I buy the app, and we're good. That's all you got to do. Yeah, absolutely. And the idea of it being consumer protection is like, well, now they're protected from any games being available. So <laughs> great, uh, nanny state Apple. Um, <laughs> Any other TV? It was kind of like, hey, let's get through this so we can talk about iOS was kind of like their, the whole first half hour. Yeah. The, the only other thing about TVOS, a little bit of an, an Android, you know, did it first dig is uh, they really talked up how much better the TVOS or the Apple TV iPhone app is now so that if you want to change channels or switch to a different app or scrub back and forth on the timeline, like all that stuff is way better from the app as opposed to just using the remote to do everything. And since I live Chromecast life, I was kind of like, ah, welcome because (laughs) like, I don't even know why I have a television remote anymore because the only thing that it does is turn the TV on and off. Like otherwise you just do everything through the phone app and it's freaking fantastic. And I'm, I'm honestly a little surprised that Apple tried aggressively to make that little unnecessary piece of hardware work. And, and I think it makes a lot of sense that they were like, nah, you know, anybody who has an Apple TV, they also own an iPhone. This is fine. Well, I mean, some context, the remote app used to do all the stuff the, all the other remote did. You could navigate everything and type and swipe and do all that. It's somehow that didn't make MVP for the new TV, Apple TV. And so they, it's like, I guess it's been about seven months. So they decided, eh, we'll do that later. And everyone was like, no. <laughs> so yeah. it wasn't like a case of not doing it yet. I mean, it ex- exactly was that, but it, it's like, you already had this. Why did you not also include it at launch for this new one? Yeah, that is actually way more infuriating. And And I said anybody who owns an Apple TV would own an iPhone. And I guess that's not strictly true but let's be realistic i I think anyone who is likely to buy an apple tv you can count on them probably having an iphone so you need some kind of remote because you don't want to box out potential customers that don't have one i guess but you know yeah come on and they should really put out an android remote app that that can't cost them that much uh yeah i mean i 
I don't see why not. My Chromecast works fine from an iOS device. <laughs> Uh, but enough about tvOS let 's get to the last quick one mac os um, somebody <laughs> tweeted because uh, we 'll get to messaging later, but somebody <laughs> tweeted uh, they spent more time on stickers than on all of mac os <laughs> like you can tell mac os was just in there because it 's like yeah, we have to mention it, but we don 't care it 's a mature product i mean how how are you going to shake it up for that long? Yes, that's true. But remember also, if the audience is supposed to be developers, this would be the part where they would talk about all of the new because you can't really do a development on an iOS device. So presumably everyone in that room, except, you know, the media people still have to own a Mac to do yeah. their job. I think this is where you have to know WWDC because it really is a press moment at this keynote, even though it's a developer conference, because they have something called the Platform State of the Union, which is like the developer's keynote. And and um, it's right after the keynote. Yeah. Um, but anyway, they finally got rid of the confusing OS X, OS X, uh, what, you know, everyone says it differently, um, either, either kind of thing. And it's called Mac OS. And it's lowercase Mac, which is kind of annoying. Like <laughs> Lowercase Mac, one word. Yeah. Um, I get the one word because it's joining its brother, and I guess that's why it had to be lowercase too. But Mac is a capital letter thing. And so it's like my brain is like, oh, this doesn't matter, but yet it matters. Well, and if I know my history, and I don't, but if I know my history, wasn't it originally capital M Mac space OS? Before, yeah, before, before yeah before it was OS 10 yeah yeah so yeah because it was Mac OS 9 and then OS 10 was when they switched to Unix right or yeah. free BSD or whatever the hell it is under there well and next and yeah. all that stuff um, yeah. yeah but I love that not only is is it like oh we were kind of going back in time but also not really at all <laughs> and this is going to bother everyone because it's a proper noun that we always insisted you say and spell a certain way but not anymore <laughs> <laughs> but buried in this, and this isn't a Mac OS only thing, but Apple is releasing a modern file system. They've been using HFS plus um, or HSF, whatever. H I'm not a file H system person. HFS plus. Anyway, a 30 year old <laughs> thing that they've been kind of hacking on forever, um, kind of like Objective C. Uh, <laughs> and they're they're uh, finally. Yeah, I, I'm not. I, I'm not smart enough to know why it's so much better. I read through Ars Technica. We should include an article from them that actually tries to summarize. But nonetheless, they're you know a, a file system from the ground up built for the SSD and flash storage age, um, built for things like versioning and um, all kinds of all kinds of fancy. Shit. <laughs> Did was there? I mean, I guess Siri for Mac OS. I don't care. Like. <laughs> So, I mean, it makes sense. They should add it. Siri needs to get a lot better, but that, it's, it's not that terribly exciting to me. It's not that terribly exciting because, as we will talk about in the iOS section, they didn't really do a lot with Siri. I mean, they, they announced a bunch of things, but at no point did they say, like, you know, this is the next generation of Siri, or this is Siri 2.0, or this is Siri yeah. OS, or anything, because... <laughs> Why because so serious? 
Oh man, that's somebody meme that up right now. Um, but if because if they had improved Siri that much, I feel like they would have made a bigger deal about. Maybe they're waiting for iPhone Seven to be like to sell it with iPhone Seven. I don't know. I, I mean, she, you know, she, see, she, Siri, <laughs> it did come out with an iPhone release. So I mean, that's totally possible. Um, but yeah, I'm just I'm not totally blown away by this uh well, some, i think something this is... one of my coworkers threw out there was because we you know we work in an open office floor plan they're like oh man if everybody starts using uh siri on their computer i'm just gonna work at home like all the time because <laughs> <laughs> you just have a room full of people being like find me that document <laughs> <laughs> no the one carl sent me last tuesday no bill carl is the person sitting next to me siri don't <laughs> listen to him <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, I think this the rumor mill kind of raised expectations a lot. Like Apple's going to answer Google and Alexa, and like um, they they had stuff to say, but it it's, it was very like cards close to the vest. Other than hey, there's an SDK if you run a ride sharing app like one in China, or <laughs> if you run a VoIP app, or like there was like a there's like seven apps. It's sort of like when they first unveiled multitasking. They're like there are seven things you can do multitasking. Um, very limited, and it has very much the smell of minimum viable. Like these are the clear use cases that the biggest paper cuts, and we're not doing anything else yet. Um, so I, I really wonder if in next year, or two years from now, if they'll, they'll have to add to that list or else they're going to be left just as far behind as they already are. Well, this really makes me think that all of the, the tech punditry we've been hearing where people say, you know what, you can't just become Google overnight, like an investment in machine learning and AI and all the stuff that that entails is a long game you don't just decide to compete in that arena so i wonder if this is like a little bit of evidence that that is true like this is not going to be something apple can just throw their considerable resources behind because the one resource they don't have any more of than anyone else is time right and then there's mythical man month problems like they can't just say like well we'll put a million developers on it because that won't work yeah and I mean, I, they have been making hirings in, in AI and, and stuff, and so maybe we'll see some fruits from that. They, they bought the vocal IQ everyone was making a big deal about of even more conversational and context-knowing type, type of AI stuff. But they didn't say anything about that. And so um, my guess is that's that's all baking, like you're saying. You, you can't just like buy success here. You have to earn the institutional like talent. Well, and they do it. and they did use. You can tell they're they're hoping to make strides in that space because they did use a little bit of googly kind of language where, uh, you know, when when they did the demonstration of you know, oh Siri, find me all of the you know documents from Carl, and then it brings up a list, and it's like uh, just the ones from the last week, and then he kind of turned to the audience and he was like, "Did you see what I did there? It remembered what I said the first time, and it connected yeah. those two contacts." And it's like, "Yeah, you're right. That's amazing." Three years ago, like that's <laughs> that was super cool when they announced that at Google I/O in like 2010. So I mean, I'm and I'm not trying to to do the you know Google did it first thing so much as like. Well, and that's I where Siri I started know. right off the bat. Like yeah. they they demoed the same 
how old is the president? What about his wife? Like they did that in 2011. So even if like the, I'm sure there's some engineer somewhere. It's like you have no idea how much more this version of that same concept is. <laughs> um, nonetheless, it's it's not gonna. It's sort of like yeah, this Jurassic Park movie has bigger dinosaurs, and you're like, but it's like <laughs> I saw CG dinosaurs, and it's no longer gonna like rock my universe to show me a bigger one. Right. Which is actually the plot of Jurassic World that they had to keep (laughs) making crazier, crazier dinosaurs. Oh, is it really? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, No wonder that looks so ridiculous. But I mean, I just, I need to clear my name. Like, I'm not trying to just be like, ah, I Googled it at first. But I really think this is some evidence in the, the corner or in the camp of this is a steep mountain to climb. And they have the money, they have the resources, they have the people. Like, but can they... Can they close that gap or even start to close it, right? Like they don't have to surpass Google or, or other AI companies, yeah, but can they, a, can they even be compelling in that space? It's the can you be good enough, like even if you're not better um, sort of question. And, you know, I think the, one of the most interesting philosophical bets of Apple that we've talked about previously is they're kind of like they want to challenge what they might view as an unquestioned assumption of give us all your data and you get smart stuff. And it seems like Apple is really determined to try to do it another way and say, you don't have to give us all your crap to get smart stuff. And we'll see how it pans out. And I wonder if, um, I saw someone talking about like, so if this relies on the phone to do all like the photos, they have a lot of Google Photos type stuff they announced where like, it'll find all your dogs and all your pictures of mountains and blah, blah, blah. Um, if that happens on your device, like how are they going to dole that out without murdering your battery? Is that like, well, I'll only do it when he plugs in or his photo library is distributed between all his iCloud devices. So we have like a mini local network that still is private to them that gets to be the, the mesh that processes this or, uh, you know, there's all sorts of creative ways they can overcome the fact that they're not going to harness a server cloud (laughs) and like how does this pan out and how does it work when you want to do that for 4k video are you going to analyze every frame of 4k video locally on device (laughs) no you're not (laughs) no Um, you are not or you will someday but not not soon enough to matter to (laughs) ios 10 customers um but that's like the most interesting like ecosystem values bet and i know it's like good for business it's not just altruistic apple or something but um that's that's an interesting thing to watch is like is this an assumption that we have i think it is is it well founded probably that you know servers are going to be better for this than local on device but it's sort of the bet they're making so you just kind of like smash edited us right into ios I, I did. I did have a couple other things I want to talk about with macOS, but oh, yeah. none of them matter except this one particular one. So we can. I don't Apple Pay, whatever, and tabs in all the apps. Who cares? Whatever. But <laughs> but, but what I do want to make sure I get your opinion on, uh, or just more your thoughts, is uh, a lot of people thought the new MacBook, which didn't get announced, was going to have Touch ID, and since it didn't get announced, it doesn't have it. And but what they did announce for Mac OS Sierra uh, <laughs> is that uh, you will be able to do uh, like basically secure device unlock with your Apple Watch, not an iPhone, mm-hmm. not an iPad, Apple Watch. Um, and they used a couple phrases I'm not really familiar with. Like they said, because it's authenticated to your wrist, which 
uh, you you own an Apple Watch. What what is what what does that mean? <laughs> oh, so w- when you have your watch, it's it's locked, and you, if you if you aren't wearing it, it's always locked every time it goes to sleep, no matter what. I'm just like any other device, but um, when you have it on your wrist, it has sensors to know if it ever left your skin. Like it has like some proximity stuff. Um, so if it you authenticate while it's on your wrist, then you never have to authenticate your watch again unless you take it off or reboots or something. And um, if you take it off, like if do you have yours on right now? No, actually. Okay, if, if you take it off, how long after you remove it does it lock? Is it instant? It's like less than half a second. Okay, so I couldn't like take it off your wrist and put it onto mine really quick. It would be like a Mission Impossible thing where you'd have to transfer <laughs> it between skin. It'd be like this awkward like twister game. Um, okay, which because I've tried it, I'm like, can I like move it to my <laughs> other wrist without it locking again? And you can. Um, okay, but so like, yeah, if, if it rubs over plastic or some if somehow it's like capacitive, or I don't know how it knows. That it, like, I'm sure it's not magical. It's not like this is Michael's DNA, but um, it's it, it, better it could than be I'm close to something. Something as simple as the the heartbeat sensor. Yeah, because that's already in there. So it's just if it continues to detect a heartbeat, then it continues to stay unlocked. Um, I think the heartbeat's periodic, though. Like it, it only does it pings you like every ten minutes, unless you're doing a workout. Then it's always checking. Oh well, that was my stab in the dark at it. <laughs> but the reason I ask is because. Uh, if it's connecting to your laptop via Bluetooth, Bluetooth has a pretty far freaking range. And if I walk away from my laptop and I'm, say, like within my office, I don't want it to be unlocked. I only want it to be unlocked if I'm sitting at it. Yeah. And so uh, they, I heard they th- seem to indicate some kind of magical. I know you're close. I don't know. Like they they said something about they they used a term that a lot of tech people I saw time on Twitter. time of flight networking. Yeah, and people time, are like, what the hell is that? Yeah, time of flight networking, which I have never heard anything like that. <laughs> I will say that wherever that that probably goofy marketing term came from it kind of paints a pretty clear picture of like it, it knows if you've moved, it can tell like the range, the two devices are apart and it doesn't have to be super accurate. It only needs to be more accurate than Bluetooth. Cause if Bluetooth only knows like, well, he's within 30 feet, like that's not good enough. If it knows I'm within five feet or 10 feet, that's enough. Right. Yeah. 10 feet's kind of pushing it. I'd say five feet. Like if it could make that determination and it's not <laughs> like it, it would, um, you know, continuously lock and unlock. So if I'm just in the room where my computer is, hopefully it's not freaking out and like constantly locking yeah, this, and unlocking. And I wonder if it still relies on physical wake of like you open the lid or you pressed a key, um, before it does anything. It's not just going to say he's near wake everything up. Right. And and this is my I know I'm not really this security paranoid even though there were a bunch of things in this keynote that made me go like ah but I do <laughs> I do just kind of wonder like if I was sitting in your room and you, so like you're somewhere in the room and I happen to be like in front of your MacBook and I just hit like the space bar or I open the lid is it going to unlock? And like now I have access to your machine or like if you're, you know, say your office like butts up to like the bathroom and you're in the bathroom, like, can I unlock it? Because you're right on the other side of the wall. Like it's those kinds of things that just make me go like, eh, maybe this part shouldn't be automated. 
And I also wonder if there could be some options like, hey, just show a button on my watch and I just have to tap yes on the button, but just that single action is a lot less painful than typing out my super secure password and it's still got the, you know, is my watch on my wrist? Is it open um, sort of measure? But yeah, I mean, security is a bigger conversation of like convenient. It really often does end up being convenience versus actual security. And, you know, I think Apple gets props for making pin codes easier to have everyone turn on all the time with things like touch ID. And maybe this will get people to actually have passwords on their Macs because they won't have to type them in all the time. Um, but I do wonder if Touch ID on a MacBook will be a lot better for this, for the security-minded. Yeah, I mean, if the in the the world of false dichotomies, if a person is like, "Well, I don't have a password because it's a pain," and then they have an Apple Watch and they're like, "Oh, I just let my Apple Watch unlock it," it's like, well, that is a net gain in your security, but it's still like you should have just had a password anyway. But we're in false dichotomy yeah. land. Well, and I mean, no, no one who works for like a biotech company with like NDA secured, like nonsense is going to let people use this that way. Yeah, um, probably not. I think it's, it's really that getting that base level of regular people using consumer technology, raising them up and hoping that tide rises for all of the boats, I guess. Yeah. And then I- the people that are worried can take stronger measures. All right, now we can go back to iOS. Uh, there was so iOS got like a whole hour, and it sort of just speaks to this is the business that matters to Apple, and it makes sense from like a money standpoint. This is absolutely like ninety percent of their business. Um, well, and I can't remember if it was at the very beginning or the very end because Tim Cook, you know, he's out there, but he doesn't do most of it. Um, he actually said, I think it was the very beginning, because he was like, we have these four platforms. We have the watch, we have TV, we have iOS, we have macOS, or sorry, OS X at that point, because it hadn't been <laughs> renamed yet. <laughs> um, but he, when he talked about the iPad, his summary for that device category was something like, uh, you know, what we believe to be the future of computing or, or the, the greatest yeah. expression. He's been saying that for a while. But I, I kind of... I like that they, and you're right, they, they've definitely had that messaging for a while, but I like that their investment and marketing and things are consistent. Like, no, if you want to buy a computer, you want to buy an iPad. If you want a mobile device, you want an iPhone. And if you are a technical person, okay, then fine, we make this old-fashioned thing called a laptop. <laughs> but, like, there was, I don't think they even showed a picture of an iMac except, like, where they were demoing off of, like, standalone plugged into the wall desktop computers are so far in the back of their mind now. Yeah. They're, they're, I mean, it's, it's very much the trucks that will probably have to keep existing for another, you know, 10 years at least in their minds. I mean, that they'll, they'll always need to exist, but um, it's totally true. And it's the, the China stuff was also all over iOS um, that you were noting. This has <laughs> yeah. been a couple years now that... Uh, I think ever since the, it was like, we've kind of saturated the West. We need to find some new worlds to conquer. Um, China, 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 China kind of became the <laughs> refrain. And, you know, all their, some of their social features, some of their, you know, 
Um, some of the social networks popular in China are baked into the OS, just like Twitter and Facebook. And those were like the first warning shots of what's now a full-fledged, uh, not swooning, uh, wooing of Chinese customers. <laughs> yeah, they want the Chinese customers to do the swooning from but, their their wooing. Uh, you know, most of the iOS updates, I think, fall into the same, like, oh, that seemed like a paper cut they're trying to address. And, I mean, they didn't fix the notification shade, but some interesting lock screen stuff they're taking from Android, the raised awake, the more interactive, um, you know, if you get a message. And I think there's a way you can reply from the lock screen right now, but it looks like they beefed that up quite a bit. And uh, just like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I think I've seen that before, but... Cool, we get it now. <laughs> yeah, and all of those cool lock screen, raised to wake, I was just like, oh, neat, all the things I disabled on my Android phone because I <laughs> feel like they're security vulnerabilities. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they definitely are, and that's that's becoming its own entire setting screen in the Touch ID menus, access from lock screen. Like, there's like there's I think there's only three things there now, but that list is going to get bigger. Um, yeah, so th- this was a, a rare reverse moment where I was like, please don't necessarily take that from <laughs> Android because that's just more stuff I have to disable if it's on by default. When the, the lock screen really is something I don't care about anymore because I have the watch. I'm like, that's that's the first like dashboard for everything. Um, but I get it. If, like, not everyone's going to buy an Apple Watch, so you still have to invest in the lock screen. Well, and even just, you know, you, you used to place so much emphasis on every platform on the lock screen because you were like, if this is just a text message from Jim saying that he's going to be 10 minutes late, I don't want to have to go through all the machinations of unlocking my phone. But now the act of waking the device is also the same gesture to unlock it. So... Yeah, you know, it's really not the inconvenience it used to be. I still understand like, oh, but then after I'm in there, I'm going to check a bunch of garbage. I shouldn't check because I have no willpower. And that's <laughs> maybe a different conversation. But I, I, I don't know. I just I really especially I'm a huge, huge advocate of two factor auth. And it kind of screws two factor off if it says, you know, here's your security code right on the lock screen like that. Yeah. And uh, not every app lets you do, you know, other forms of two factor auth. Um, a lot of them are still sms which was a story we don't have time to cover but um someone (laughs) who got hacked recently convinced verizon to reset their sim so they could intercept the sms messages so two-factor auth was not so secure yeah that that when i i followed i think you retweeted that and i followed that story a little bit and i was like oh my god (laughs) that (laughs) kind of nightmare (laughs) well this is just more proof to me that anyone who's like computers aren't secure i'm like no people suck computers are (laughs) freaking awesome but social engineering breaks all security measures uh so i mean the the biggest thing i guess there's a couple things um apple music got a bunch of time and um i I would group that with apple news with like the apps i actually use apple music now but um and it's fine i don't really feel the need to talk about it but um this update was like hey what if fonts got really thick what if like this (laughs) the fattest most like black bold fonts ever um it sort of like oh you thought this was hard to figure out well are you happy now you jerk like (laughs) like like we redesigned this and we put like the biggest fonts ever so you know here's your library can you read that Um, (laughs) 
And maybe this is just a design change of no more thin Helvetica, and now everything's going to be thick as it, balls. But, <laughs> I, you know, balls, they're very thick. Um, I did retweet nice someone who was recovery. like, <laughs> iOS 7, thinnest fonts ever. iOS 10, thickest fonts ever. iOS 13, reasonable weight fonts. <laughs> Well, the the whole. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a picture of my actual notes from when I was watching the keynote into the show notes, which you can find at sunriserobot.net slash flipping table slash one two three for this episode. But under the heading for Apple Music, it's just all caps. Do not care. And then the next bullet point is, <laughs> you guys, we spent a lot of money on Beats. We really really need to make this work. <laughs> and then under Apple News, it's just the shrug emoji because I just yeah. I'm just like I don't. I don't care. And from what I can tell, nobody else cares either. Like this isn't a, I'm not your audience thing. This is a, these two features don't really have an audience thing. Yeah. I mean, I get to most of the articles I go to, I'm either directly going to the websites I like, or it's Twitter um, and a little bit of Facebook. And ever since I went back to Tweetbot, which launches articles straight into reader mode, um, I don't need a dedicated reading app. That is like all I need is, hey, here's the article and no bullshit. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, this is not a, a slam against the their version of the news app. Like I don't, I don't get the point of this anywhere. Like on any platform, any any provider behind it, it just and I'm I'm sure there is an audience for this. I'm sure that there are people who have subscriptions to magazines and to the Wall Street Journal and stuff in there. And that that's fine, but it's just it, it got a little bit more than what I felt was an appropriate amount of time. An appropriate amount of time <laughs> would have been, "Oh, hey, uh we we updated Apple News." Right. And, and Apple Music got yeah. way, way more time than it deserved. Yeah, like, just it got so like much 20 more. minutes or something. Um, and it was, a, it was a very vibrant demonstration. Let's just say that. Um, and then <laughs> that was just that, tri- that was just the picture of, and I really, I really do want to, like we talked about, I want to smash that stupid stereotype of like developers are a bunch of nerdy neckbeards that don't know how to dance or do anything. Um, but nonetheless, it was like, okay, this is like early morning. Everyone's like f- just flew in that morning and are super tired from standing all morning waiting to get in. And it's like, everybody, let's rap together. And I was like, this is not going to happen. Well, yeah, that, the whole thing was, was all like broken old stereotypes because it was like, you know, oh, hey, nerds, like you're all rich developer nerds. Let's all dance and be cool nerds. And it's like, yeah, that no, that's a lot of these people probably are tired and traveled from far away and actually are not really the right audience for this kind of message. <laughs> and then on the yeah, presenter like- side, when, cause I'm not familiar with that particular executive, but when that, that woman came out, I was like, you know, Oh cool. Apple totally doing like the diversity and presenters thing. Oh, she's talking about rap. Oh, that's <laughs> gr- great. The one black person they allowed on stage also, was required by whoever wrote the script to talk about rap. So it's like, cool. (laughs) Tim Cook's like rap, bigger caps, rap, (laughs) slam text. We'll get to that rap. Um, Yeah. uh, That, that that whole segment was just long and sad and awkward. And I mean, she was cool. Like she totally owned it. She, her demo was super slick, but the audience was just not picking up what she was laying down. And I, I have a feeling that a couple of those little jabs she inserted in there were like 
lighthearted and funny. Like, ah, oh, you guys aren't. She was like, yeah, we're going to rap together. And then when it was time to stop the music, she said something like, ah, oh, you guys aren't rapping to the beat. And I was kind of like, she's just making fun of them. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't think that was in the script. I think she just like, y'all suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, I mean, the best thing Apple Music has done in the past, I guess it's almost a year now. I guess it was unveiled last year with Drake and the jacket. <laughs> Is, uh, Drake in the jacket sounds like a terrible best, '80s sitcom. I mean, it looks like the UI is a little bit simpler. It's a little clearer what you're looking at on each screen, but it's the same damn tabs at the bottom for you, library, blah blah blah. Um, but as far as I can tell, there's fewer bugs, and they have APIs now, so I can do stuff through other apps, and that's cool because I love Spotify's discovery playlist and now I can rip that out of Spotify and recreate it with one programmatic step. Um, but that's yeah. nothing that made it to a keynote. Yeah. So there was also, uh, and all this fell under iOS. Um, Apple music was part of iOS news was part of iOS HomeKit. I was just kind of like, okay, I mean, this is all neat, but none of it seems to be getting any traction. And and again, this is not a slam against Apple. Like this entire space is not getting very good traction. Not yeah. from Google, not from Philips Hue lights, not from Nest, not from the. I mean, the well, the Echo is like successful as a product, but it it doesn't do a lot of home automation stuff. It's just like its own little you know Pringles can. So, uh, yeah, I think it's just the the necessary infrastructure and SDKs are being built, but it's not exciting for consumers yet because, you know, as cool as Philips Hue is a $60 light bulbs just aren't on my shopping list ever. And, (laughs) um, maybe when it's 10 bucks or for a specific room, maybe I'll think about playing with that one day, but not, not $60 per bulb. Yeah, we're just too, it's too early, right? All of these things are going to happen. The the magic door locks, the magic blinds, the fans and lights that all know what your preferences are. All that stuff, I, I firmly believe for like our children will be normal. You know, they'll walk into their bedroom yeah. and as teenagers and that will turn the fan on the way they like. It'll turn the light on the way they like. It'll do what they like with the blinds and curtains and it'll put on the music or whatever and I think all of those kinds of things and other other imaginary things we haven't even thought up yet, like <laughs> all that crap is coming. It's just, it's so, it feels so early days that I'm like, I don't want to get too invested in it because I want the Tony Stark house now, right? Like I want to wake up yeah. and, and have Jarvis right now. And that feels pretty freaking far off. Well, and when last year's WWDC, I remember because Apple built like a structure and everyone's like, what's in the house? What's in there? And like one of the big like dumb rumors was they built a connected home. They're going to let us tour the home of the future. And no, (laughs) it was just like a demo room for Apple Watch or something. It was like, hey, just come look at them. So I think this is my last uh, massive security concern from WWDC this year. Uh, But a lot of the stuff they showed on iOS hinged entirely, probably not in reality, but in the demos, hinged entirely on uh, digital touch, 3D touch, 4C touch time, like (laughs) whatever the correct marketing term is for. Because I heard multiple things said on stage. Um, But with the, the home kit... You know, he, he, was that, it wasn't, what's his name? Is it Fidel was, who demoed that? Uh, 
It, it was it wasn't Craig Federighi. Oh, it might have been him. He has like Air Force ca- One, ca- kind of beautiful, like gray hair. <laughs> he uh, he held up the phone because now, of course, there's a freaking HomeKit app that's going to be on your phone. We'll get to that in a second. But <laughs> he uh, he was like, "Oh, I can I can 3D touch on this, and it talks to my my HomeKit connected doorbell, which has a camera, and I can see the person, and I can unlock the door right from the lock screen." And I was just like, I damn near did a spit take. I was like, no, 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 no. If someone overhears me in a bar talking about my smart door and then they take my phone and now they can unlock the door without even having to unlock my phone, like you're now telling me that the lock is its own key. Why? Who? What? There's no (laughs) way that's that's I'm like even right now when I can do home screen stuff, there's always a step where it's like, oh, before you can share that photo you took, you have to unlock the phone. Um you yeah, can take I w- a I picture totally... and you can't see the rest of the photo library. You can only take new pictures. Um, yeah, it's I would sort to- of like that. I would totally accept like you 3D press on this, you 3D whatever the hell it is. You 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 <laughs> smash your thumb through the screen and it says, "Hey, I'm going to, you know, have you touch ID to actually unlock the door." Like, I know what you want me to do. Now confirm that you're who you say you are. And that would be a 100% totally fine. I would support that, that version of this, uh, you know, the, this, that implementation that totally makes sense to me. Uh, it's not unlike how you use Apple pay from the lock screen, right? You wake it up, but then the payment isn't actually issued until the touch ID is verified. That would make total sense to me. That's not what they demoed. So yeah. so now I'm just kind of like eh. it's kind of like the the Google video service where it's like someone's just going to be showing their penis when they call you and like I'm sure that's not how it works but. exactly but I just I'm I sure that's not how it works but I'm not sure yeah and even with the 3D touch stuff I did see someone found in the beta release notes that they're going to make all of that pop pop and peak stuff work without 3d touch so if you're like me and you don't update every year anymore um i won't be left behind on all of the features just because i don't want to push through my screen yeah i assumed that that was in there but man they really and they have to right because if if they want people to start to rely on that gesture they have to make that gesture something you use a lot yeah so i I understand context menus everywhere Right. So I understand why they would push it so hard, but I mean, the, the SE that I have and the, the six that you have don't have 4C 3D digital touch. So <laughs> I was kind of like, oh, all of these things are potentially interesting, but maybe not and, at all. And I wouldn't say no to getting 3D touch, but it's not enough for me to want to upgrade. Um, oh, heck no. No, no, no. And like, I'm trying to skip this gen too. I really hope the next iPhone isn't like really a big leap because I, I want to go another year and I may not have the willpower if they actually make a big update. Is this um, the next year, 2017 is the, the 10 year release? Uh, yeah, 2007 was the first iPhone. No, oh, I guess this will be the 10th iPhone this year, but the 10 years of iPhone will be complete the next year. 
Yeah, I you're indexing. probably you're, you're probably safe skipping this year cuz I'll bet they'll do something spectacular for next year. <laughs> they'll have a Johnny I video. It'll be the best ever. Um <laughs> there's so much more iOS. I don't want to go through every single thing. I guess let's let's skip right to you can delete apps that are previously <laughs> you couldn't delete. Um the Stocks app, the Compass app, uh so many more of them. You can't delete the App Store which makes sense. Um and there was at least one other one that was like, huh, you can't delete that, but you can delete mail. And before we get too many party hats out, um, it looks like you still can't set default apps. So a big boom, 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 boom <laughs> for that moment. Um, but nonetheless, it doesn't it just feel like that's, if it's not for 10.0, 10.1, they're going to flip on a pick your default app kind of thing. I don't know why you would do this and not then take that next step. (laughs) Because, I mean, like, you can remove the contacts app. Mail, maps, music. These are all, like, apps that you expect to be there. Calendar, for God's sake. I mean, like, so if I have, if somebody iMessages me an address and I've removed the maps app and I press on that address, what happens? Nothing? Do I get an error? Does it put me into the app store? And it's like, hey, moron, you maybe shouldn't have uninstalled this because you didn't think that through, did you? Like, I need, and I threw the call out on Twitter. I really hope somebody is willing to install the beta and just tell me what happens. And and who oh, knows? Did I you, mean, did you is... not check your Twitter direct messages today? Because one of our listeners did follow up on that. And, oh my God, no. I had um, meetings all it, afternoon. <laughs> your worst fears are confirmed. If you try to tap on an email address, it pops open a notification that says, you deleted the mail app. Do you want to reinstall it? No. It does not go to another mail app. And so I really, the optimistic take is they're going to do it. They just haven't yet. And this is some stupid, weird middle space to stop at and say, this is all we're doing for this first release. Um, but that's like one of the other, our other Twitter followers, like I suggested that like, well, it might just ask you to reinstall it. And he was like, but that would be pointless. <laughs> and I was like, I agree with you. Nonetheless, not everything Apple does has always made perfect sense. Um, so I really hope they're going to get there. I mean, they have a, a lot of the pieces in place, and this is a big one. Um, I mean, the other thing this lets them do is sort of like Google Play services. Now these apps aren't part of the system, so Apple can update them independently, which is, you know, it's 2016, and the, if there's a bug in the phone app, they have to update the entire OS to fix it, um, which is crazy pants. Um, but now we're going to be in that space, at least for the vast majority of their built-in apps. Man, I can delete tips and stocks. <laughs> this is like, so if people are like, why didn't they announce this on stage? And I'm like, because the roar of applause would be so <laughs> embarrassing. It would enshrine in history that the most welcome feature is let me delete your shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I hate to say it, but you've made me realize that the pessimist take on this is they are never, ever going to let you set default apps. The only reason they did this is so they could update these apps independently. Yeah, that's definitely uh, possible. That would be heartbreaking. Heartbreaking, (laughs) Michael. But they already have sort of the the intense style thing where apps can say, "Hey, I'm able to handle that um, functionality," you know, in the share sheets. So, like, they have that. They have deleting them. Like, just 
put the rest of the glue in place and let us let me use Spark or Gmail as my email app and not your stupid thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, lowercase Mac OS has obviously solved this years ago. Like when I open a text document, it doesn't open freaking text edit. It opens whatever I want it to open, which in my <laughs> case is Android Vim. solved this and they didn't even release something without this already <laughs> being solved in it. So. Yeah, and and I think it's so frustrating on iOS because most of the pieces were there, like the share sheet. So it understood that those apps could handle these things, but it was like, nah, I'm still going to always assume you want my app. And now letting you actually remove the default app is like, so, you know, I'm not going to stand here with my, my fingers in my ears and sing loudly. I'm just going to go into the next room with my fingers in my ears and sing loudly. Like, yeah. But but if you need me, if you need a calendar application, I'll I'll be right in the next room with my fingers and, in my ears singing now loudly. That I th- now that I think about it, I would vastly prefer the reverse or the opposite of, okay, I can't delete mail, but you let me change the default. Like, I'll shove that. I'll continue ridiculously <laughs> shoving that in a folder because this doesn't... I don't feel like I can delete mail because of this because I still encounter email addresses that I tap and I want to be able to email. And so I leave want my gmail account signed in the default mail app and then i disable all fetching i disable all notifications it's just there for the system supported way of emailing um so i don't have to hop apps if i just want to quickly fire off a message or if you want to use siri to send a message it sounds like they're they're solving the siri side before you were joking about this before they're solving the default apps which it seems like that's a much harder problem to solve so this is something i can't believe neither of us have said but all throughout the whole ios uh a little bit on mac os uh but man that still feels a little weird to say um a (laughs) a little bit on mac os but very much all throughout ios it was just like you get an api you get an api like siri gets an api maps has an api the freaking phone everything gets an api just apis all the things which is awesome it's also very much in the vein of the the audience you know the developer audience like all of this was very open and modern Apple and cool and thumbs up all around. Uh, but the the specific joke you're referring to is uh, I posited that if Google Maps makes itself compatible with Siri's API, then I will be able to say, hey, Siri, use Google Maps and navigate me to wherever or navigate me to wherever on Google Maps or something like that. And they showed all the different ways you could use yeah. these other apps, you know, via the Siri, Siri API. And the fact that I'll be able to do that as a way to like cheat in a default app. But if you, <laughs> if you like iMessage me and address, if I tap on it, it's still going to go looking for Apple Maps. And it's like you have... 99.99% of the pieces to make default apps work, which really we're only yeah. counting to like zero decimal places. So it's a hundred percent of the pieces. You're just not letting us have it. Yeah. It's like being able to able to fire, fire an employee, but not hire a new one. <laughs> <laughs> and then anytime you want to do like, hey, someone needs to make this, it's like, well, do you want to rehire that guy? It's like, no, I fired him. <laughs> like, this guy's right here. He's ready to do it. Can he do it? Uh, you can go to him and manually help, help him do it. Uh, great. Man, that was a that was like a business cat analogy. That was like your most <laughs> that was your most enterprise analogy ever. <laughs> 
Oh, uh, man. So that was, that was a big thing. I mean, we can skip past the phone. They let you transcribe messages. I'm sure what could go wrong with that. China, sure China, China, be, China, 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 <laughs> China. I'm sure it'll be as great as Google Voices at transcribing voicemail. Um, let's go to messages. So I, I guess the big thing right off the bat is there's a whole bunch of weird stuff in here. Stickers and invisible ink and big text and small text, which Google Allo also showed off. And, you know, all this kind of nonsense. And we're going to laugh about it. But that all makes so much sense because of the market of messaging apps. So I want to give props to Ben Thompson of Stratechery, who's been writing about this for a long time now, um, that the next big war is not OS's, it's messaging. And it seems like Apple gets that because every single new feature here is out of the playbook of Snapchat and um, a lot of these other platforms that are kind of thriving in weird niche new spaces. So, yes, I absolutely agree with you. And a lot of people had uh, rumored that iMessages or messages or whatever the correct Apple name for Apple messages was going to come to Android and that that would be like their big flag in the ground of like, nope, we're here too. And you argued back to me like, but why would they give up all the leverage of, hey guys, come to our platform and you can use all of our cool stuff. And my counter to that would be if you are you know, some like dumb kid using whatever the dumb messaging app of the day is, surely you will have some friends that are on the other platform, right? So you're on an iPhone, they're on Android, or you're on Android, they're on BlackBerry or whatever. Like there's, you're going to have some friends. Are you really going to ostracize them? And I know that that happens a little bit, but like if, if you and I are sharing nonsense via Snapchat is, is, can one messaging platform be so compelling that I would be like, well, I would rather have these stickers than be your friend. So I'll make new friends and send them stickers. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But it, I guess the, the interesting thing is that their Apple's giving space on the table. It's not just we reinvented stickers. It's there's an app drawer for anyone to invent stickers and port your stickers that you released on Facebook Messenger. Bring them to our messaging platform. So I think it's a little bit of they don't want to be left behind by being the sole dominator of the platform, that they're willing to give up some of that real estate just to stay relevant because you know i think iMessage is pretty great um but it can't stand still like yeah we joke about its messages show up out of order but other than that it's pretty solid um most of the time other than that absolutely (laughs) crucial thing it must get right it it doesn't happen very often Um, i'm sounding like an apologist it's absolutely a problem but um that's not like that's not going to break them in the next five years. What's going to break them is just being left behind in all the other ways, like payments and uh, all the you know all the sweetness that Google's announcing for Allo. Even though I I'm kind of skeptical that Allo is going to work out for Google, um, but that's a that's a whole other thing we could oh, unpack. That, that, that's very much a hail mary. Like I'm I'm <laughs> optimistic because I want it to it, like it looks cool. I would love for it to work, but there's nothing about it that's like oh this is definitely going to be a winner. There's no way this is a long. <laughs> shot yeah um and i think part of it is because in a way google's platform is so open for competition that they just they've kind of lost on their platform and um 
you know, and they, they've been reluctant to, like, they pushed Hangouts, but they didn't push it the way they could have if they wanted to make sure they won on Android. And but maybe they, they did themselves no favors in the messaging space. Yeah. This, this and, is not an openness problem so much as they were just like, we'll try a bunch of annoying things and never quite get it right. Yeah, it definitely did not help either. And I wonder if they're worried about the EU finding another hammer they want to pound against Google and being like, hey, you, who cares what Apple's doing? You're not allowed to make this the only messaging <laughs> platform. Um, so all of this stuff makes sense. Um, the app is looking kind of busy and this is kind of a frustrating thing that we were reflecting on is like, which is it? Is it every platform bloats until it contains messaging or every app bloats until it has messaging or every messaging app bloats until it's an entire platform. And it seems like we're getting a lot more of the latter recently. Stickers, man. (laughs) Everybody has to have all the things. App drawers in your messaging app. (laughs) Yeah, that was... When he actually called it that, he was like, ah, it'll have an app drawer. I was just like, it'll have what? (laughs) Why will it have that? Why does that... Why is that a thing that it's going to have to have now? Yeah. Um, Uh, uh, are, Are they hoping that, like... Snapchat will build an integration to iMessage so that both of them can feel like they're both winning. Like what what is their end game for allowing other people to dial into messages? Um I do think it's they don't want to be left behind the social network game. I mean, I think iMessage has an interesting hold on iOS users and there's a lot of iOS users so that's a that's prime real estate that you've captured this audience but um even on iOS there that's no reason that they'll um get to own that audience and so I think this is a bid to stay relevant as people start to expect different things from messaging. Um they want to be able to pay their friends through it. They want to be able to do all these silly things effortlessly you know you put stupid lipstick things on their photos um all the all the like i mean silicon valley is making fun of it like the realistic mustache filter um all that stuff <laughs> that that app would have been a billion dollar company and, you know we might look back in 10 years and be like haha myspace that was dumb um and it'll be kind of like haha mustache filters what the hell was going on <laughs> um but you know why risk that <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't blame them for for trying to be active in this space. I just, this whole space seems weird to me. <laughs> Strange like, days, man. It, it really is, because, I mean, text messaging, like, makes sense, right? Like, you want to send letters to people that are combined into words, and those words combined into sentences, and, like, that I totally get. But there's whole cultures and, and subcultures that have popped up around not just individual platforms like Snapchat or 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 uh, or, or like an Instagram kind of you know like f- a way to share visuals or like Twitter images, but like there's there's then cultures within those cultures where it's like oh well you know this emoji like to normal people it means whatever, but on Snapchat we know if you use that emoji as a response to this filter it means the secret thing, and there's like yeah. there's these whole crazy languages and things, and and to try and you can't build that stuff, right? Like you have to lay the Legos out yeah. and then see what weird crap your customers invent. And it seems like the Facebook Messenger, oh my God, that was the one I was trying to think of, grasping <laughs> desperately for names there. Um, but Just it, one of the most prominent apps. <laughs> and and oh God, I avoid it like the plague. I hate it. But it, it just seems like 
they're like, well, we don't know what kinds of interesting things people will do with stickers, so let's have stickers. We don't know what kinds of interesting things people do with mini games, so let's have mini games. We don't know what kinds of interesting things people do with emojis, so let's have giant emoji. Like, there's just, yeah. there's, they're just throwing, they now realize that some things will stick to the wall, so they built a machine that throws things at the wall at super <laughs> high speed. And that that's, it's creating a lot of weirdness in the messaging space. And I mean, again, Apple is not the only one susceptible to this. Everyone who's playing in the messaging space seems to have fallen victim to this same, like, we got to just try try things. Just keep trying things. Well, have you followed any Luke Robluski? He works for, for Google now. Um, He's like a user UX kind of guy. No, but that name is tremendous. Well, he makes all these wonderful charts all the time using actual data about how users behave with all these different devices, and he's been following wearables a lot. But one of his big themes is that in this era, attention is so scarce and so valuable. And he's he's the source of a lot of those, like, you know, 25% of the people even open your app after they install it. And, you know, only 10% of those people will open it a second time ever. And, you know, all these interesting stats and... Um, all these stupid features in messaging, I think, are a response to the fact that one of the most sticky things about all of our devices is communication. And so that's why every company, even even the, the joke topic at the beginning about Microsoft buying LinkedIn, like I think the attention economy is probably a, a lens that is worth applying to most of these wacky decisions. Yeah, I mean, you're you're not wrong. It's just it's it's such early days. I don't think the the MySpace and the Friendster analogies are they're, they're not they're not wrong, right? They're super apt because in a few years we're going to look back and be like, "Wow, look at all the dumb crap we tried with messaging." Like <laughs> yuck, right? And and that's fine. It's just we're we're living it and because of the way like the hype cycle works, they have to act like everything is the thing, even though we yeah. all can kind of see that that thing is probably not the thing. I think what I appreciate is um, for all, I mean, I like Google Hangouts. I wish they were putting more wood behind that arrow instead of releasing other apps. At least Apple's like, yeah, this is our messaging app and we're going to bloat the hell out of it, but at least we still just have one messaging app. And like, I, can you count how many that Microsoft has acquired in the past 10 years? They've got Skype. Are there got... any messaging apps they don't own? <laughs> like, let's just try to rattle them off. There's Skype, Yammer, uh, LinkedIn now. Um <laughs> And I'm uh, using a broad definition of yeah. communication uh, app. Link, Outlook, yeah. um, uh, MSN Messenger. Yeah. Uh, Microsoft Communicator. I don't know if that's the same thing. Yeah, Who knows I, anymore? I think, did they buy ICQ or was that Yahoo that bought them? Uh, I don't know. But it's just like Legion and they haven't like killed any of them. I mean, they're all like dying in a dungeon in the corner of Microsoft, but... Uh, it's just like, can you figure out what you're doing and do it? And um, th- there's just as much paint on the wall with Apple's approach, but at least it's like we have one Canon. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I mean, it, it fits with the difference between Apple's way of thinking and Google's way of thinking, which is, and Microsoft's, you know, Microsoft was like, we'll just buy all these things and then let them languish, which is <laughs> kind of a bummer for, you know, the users of those platforms. And then Google's is... Uh, you, you know, we have so much engineering talent. We'll just create whole new apps, like whatever. And then if it dies, whatever, because whatever. And that's 
you know, I, I don't mind that. Like I don't mind trying new things. And then if they get burned to the ground, like that's part of being, you know, on the, the bleeding edge of tech. But the, the reason the Apple approach of do one thing and just iterate and iterate and iterate and iterate and iterate tends to identify with regular people is because a lot of people are going to open iMessages in, in the fall and it's going to have all these extra features and they're going to go, huh, and then never use them. But the important thing <laughs> is the messaging app that they used the day before their phone updated and the day after their phone updated will be the same. Whereas someone on a Windows phone or on a, an Android phone, it's like, oh, well, which of the 57,000 options are you using? <laughs> yeah. And I think I don't think regular people um, have a lot of patience for that, for... You know, you're not going to rally your friends and um, say, let's all go to Allo, let's all go to Yammer, let's all go to Slack. And, you know, they might move with you once, but then they're like, I'm not moving to that city. I'm I'm happy. <laughs> it's, it's the tyranny of the default. This is what makes yeah. me so hopeful that Apple will let you change default apps and so fearful that they won't because there's a lot of power in being the default and yeah. and not just the default out of the box but the you can't change this right because on <laughs> on an android phone the if you have two mail apps installed the first time you go to send an email from like a link it's gonna say which one of these apps do you want me to open it in yeah. and on and an it's iOS pr- almost device, nothing you can't change about android even without root or any sort of hacking um it's but i'm it's saying very you, don't, open. you don't even have to seek it out they ask you yeah like oh hey you want to send an email how do you want to send that email whereas on an ios device not only is that not possible, but I can imagine the ability to set default apps being quite buried, right? Where you would have to yeah. jump through some hoops to change it from mail to Gmail or from maps to Google Maps. But but that's so complicated. We don't want to burden these people <laughs> with choice. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I'm I'm totally ready to be done with messaging, and and there was some interesting things about Swift and the the Swift playgrounds, and and there's tons of other stuff we could always dig into. But if you feel like we still have some time, I want to talk a little bit about um, not just their Photos app, but what they're trying to do with the on-device learning, which you you mentioned in your your, yeah. your rant earlier. Do, do we have some time for that? Yes. Okay. So uh, to to just reiterate what you said before, uh, their new Photos app on iOS and on macOS, but that was like a throwaway. They were like, also on that laptop thing, um, <laughs> is is going to be able to do, or th- their advertising it is going to Basically be able to do. Basically what Google does. <laughs> yeah, exactly what Google Photos does. I mean, like almost to the letter. You know, it you can search by person's name and it does face recognition and you can say like, show me pictures of, you know, my wife and our dog and it'll find pictures that have both those people or show me pictures from the lake last summer and it'll intelligently do those things. And all of that is really cool in Google Photos where it works. And I don't, have the confidence that Apple can deliver on this. Like this just doesn't seem one, like something they have the expertise to do. And two, they're trying to do it in a really difficult way directly on the device where, yeah. and, and there were just tons and tons of jabs at privacy. And they actually said, hang on, I, I have an exact they got quote a professor here. quote. Yeah, um, this is a a quote directly from the presenter. We don't build any user profiles. 
just, I mean, they might as well have just said, we aren't Google. Google is who we're not. And, and regardless yeah. of how you feel about Google and, and whether or not they're, they're trusted stewards of all your personal information, you can't deny that once you give them all that data, they then turn around and like, look at all the cool crap we built with your data. And yeah. I, I just don't know if I believe this kind of thing can be done on a little tiny pocket computer. Well, and this is the bet they're making. And, and I was trying to hint at like, what are some clever workarounds to maintain the privacy, but increase the computing power available is, um, but then the user experience will suffer for people that only have an iPhone. But like if I have a phone an iPad and a Mac and my photos are on all those devices, then theoretically I have three devices. Uh, I don't have a, an entire Google cloud, but I have a lot more than uh, my phone, which is losing battery. Um, so I wonder if they're doing any clever solutions there where the processing can be offloaded to other devices uh, simultaneously. Or um, but, only do this kind of heavy lifting when the device is plugged in or it's, you know. Yeah, the, a lot of that kind of stuff. And, and, I, sh- and I should say in my, my little lead in there, I'm making it sound like, well, Apple can never do this. I totally want them to nail this. I want someone, them, Google, Microsoft, whoever, to say like, hey, all of that stuff that used to require like limitless computing power we can do it slower and respect your privacy and do it in like this super secure encrypted way where everything is still magical and futuristic, but also your privacy is respected. Like I want them to throw this gauntlet down and for Google to have to answer. I just don't know enough about the technology to feel confident that it's actually possible. Yeah. And then they kept using the, the word silicon over and over on the silicon. Directly um, on the this amazing is, I mean, this silicon. Is the, this is the big values bet that Apple's making is not only that it will matter to people how how you could do the magic, but that they'll be able to do the magic too. And um, yeah, I eagerly await seeing if they can pull it off or pull it off well enough for most people. Um, even if Google will always do it a little better because they have all the data. But it's sort of like calling them out on it. Like, hey, do you really need... Like, you've made this contract, this social contract with people. And we kind of want to... Like, it's sort of like Apple is calling bullshit on it. And it remains to be seen if it is. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's... I'm like, yeah, do it. Call them out. But then you also have to deliver. Yeah. And they, they've, they've embarrassed themselves in the past, even with this very feature set. I remember in like, you know, the 07, 08 era of iPhoto, um, my little anecdote about it showed a car tire and said, is this your mom? And I was like, All right, is this a sick burn from iPhoto <laughs> or is this just a complete failure at facial recognition? <laughs> or does your mom have something she really needs to see a doctor about with her face. <laughs> I mean, I'll admit it, 10 years is a long time for that kind of image recognition algorithms to advance. So maybe this can be, and surely the iPad Pro is somewhere in the ballpark of what laptops were in 2007 in terms of power, if not much more. Certainly, uh, particularly in, in CPU power, which is what you need, right? This isn't running a, a cutting-edge game or, or driving the pixels yeah. for a 4K display. Like This is basically all inside the CPU. So as those continue to become more magical and, and powerful, then I think more of this stuff can shift into a device. But, I mean, someone explained it to me. Can How could you ever have 
the same kinds of technological advancements and you have a bunch of a thing, right? In this case, all of Google server farms churning on a problem simultaneously versus a single thing that is lower, yeah. lower powered, like both literally a smaller CPU and literally has less power going to it, right? So yeah. I, I just don't know how... Not the, always available because you got to preserve user experience. Yeah, I just don't know how those those things could cross, right? I, I don't know how that the, the, the X and Y on that graph could ever cross in a meaningful way because it's not like the servers stopped getting better, right? As, as the phone yeah. technology has gotten better, the servers have gotten better. So, and there's more of them, right? Like even if the server technology wasn't getting better, you could just have more servers. So I, this seems like a really bold claim for them to make, but I am like totally, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting Rocky on. I'm like, yeah, do it. (laughs) Prove (laughs) the impossible. Even if you assume parity in the quality of the results, like, hey, they all reliably recognize this is a dog and this is your wife and these are not the same person um, with <laughs> with equal power. Um, if you're throwing a new library at it, I wonder which one will be done faster with going through all of them. Your single iOS device or an entire running in parallel cloud working on all 20,000 of your photos. I think there's a clear answer there on which one's going to be done sooner. And so, but maybe that's a weird metric like, oh yeah, when you first import your library, it's going to suck ass just like, you know, <laughs> Spotlight sucks for a few minutes when you you know, attach a new drive to it and hasn't indexed it yet. But then adding one file or adding 10 photos is not a big deal. And so after you get past that initial hurdle, it's not that different. So why do I need to give all my data to Google? That's a completely valid point that 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 initial upload is once right presumably and for (laughs) for a lot of people their phone is their primary camera which means they may already have their entire library in in iCloud photos right because they've they've been doing them one at a time or you know 10 at a time or whatever as they've been shooting pictures with an iPhone so for a professional photographer to say well I have you know, a mountain of SD cards. I'm not, am I really going to get an adapter and plug all those into my phone? (laughs) Or am I really going to sit here and upload all those to iCloud photos on my, my Mac OS computer? Like maybe they are, but I liked what ATP said. It's M Mac OS. (laughs) M Mac OS. (laughs) But, but even for that person, it's like how many people are professional photographers? Not a lot. And, and they understand that they're an edge case. So they're more likely to be tolerant of, of performance you know, delays. It's the and same issues. thing educators always say. But if we educate the surgeon wrong, he's going to start killing people. And it's like, but how? <laughs> what percentage of our students are going to be surgeons? Like, <laughs> if we experiment and find a better way to way to teach English, no one dies if it's ten percent less good. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that that metaphor. That's really awesome. <laughs> well, I'll, you always hear it. Like, we we will medical education must drive the decisions of every single form of education. Like, no, <laughs> no, no, it really must not. <laughs> so, yeah, th- this is this is my m- kind of like my closing thought is if if they can really deliver on this on device, and they even use the machine the phrase machine learning. I think if they can really deliver on some of these claims. Even if, as you say, it's like just good enough, then 
to me, that's still a win-win because then Google either needs to figure out how to do what they're doing in a more secure way, or the alternative is they double down on what they're doing and they're like, no, we we will show you what happens when you have access to real CPUs. Yeah, it'll and be so much better. Yeah. So I kind of, for me, because I'm already cool with Google having my stuff, like I count either of those as a win. Like if it becomes more secure <laughs> or radically improved or in a perfect world, both, like that's okay, that's fine. I'll sign up for that. And I'm still not sure that Google can't innovate on the privacy side too if they decide that's a liability in the market. Like find ways to do some of the, what Apple called, which Apple didn't invent this term like retina display. They took it from academia, but differential privacy, um, which is they brought up in the keynote with like, you know, hashing things and introducing noise and splitting things, sort of like the maps thing we talked about where they split your journey up and anonymize it. Um, I don't see how Google couldn't start adopting those things too. Maybe they already do some of them. Um, even though your stuff goes to Google, um, they could still implement privacy stuff. Like, am I crazy? Like, I, I don't think so. I think that it would be... Wait for them for Google specifically. I think it would be a significant engineering undertaking and an incredibly significant business undertaking because they're they're an ad company, right? Most of their revenue yeah. comes from ads. And if suddenly they were like, "Hey, you remember how yesterday you came in here and bought steak? Well, today all we have is like roast beef cold cuts." That's it's just not as compelling to a marketer buying an ad when you say eh, we, we can't really target people as well as we used to. So I, I sympathize that for them to improve their security would most likely be really digging into their core value proposition to their real, you know, air quotes, customers, the people who buy ads. Yeah. Um, but you know what? They're like the second largest, sometimes first largest company in the world. So can you please just take one for the team and make it work? I think their struggle is Facebook is not going to make those changes at all. And so they would just be ceding ground to Facebook right off the bat the second they they embrace the, the privacy worse ads approach. <sighs> yeah. That's that's a, the sad thing is that's it's a like sad sh- point you just made that that guy over there that guy over there is going to cheat his way to victory and so what are we supposed to do it's like uh steroids and professional cycling (laughs) and they were just like well we can't not do steroids steroids literally every single player is doing steroids (laughs) or player cyclist (laughs) competitionist (laughs) i think you got it competitionist yeah all right, you have uh, any uh, any closing thoughts on this? There's tons of other nonsense they talked about, but holy crap, we're already like over 90 yeah. minutes. Yeah, we're almost as long as their keynote itself, which we'll just re- <laughs> recreated the keynote. And, um, no, I'm, I'm good. Uh, plenty to chew on, a lot of things that remain to be seen, uh, and we'll see how they pan out. All right, I'm, I'm good. You can put a bow on this. <laughs> All right. Well, that was episode 123 or 1283, as I never say. Um, <laughs> you can head to our show notes at sunriserobot.net slash flipping tables slash 123. And, you know, a lot of people have superstitious fascinations with numbers like 123. Um, and you shouldn't. Uh, you can find us both on Twitter and uh, give us feedback, ask us questions and talk to us. Uh, I'm at pseudo Michael, S-U-D-O Michael. And Lions, you are? 
at Lions in Beta. And another call to join our Reddit community, r slash flipping tables. We'll have a link in the show notes to that as well. And that's a nice way to not only comment to us, but to see other people's comments without having to follow all the right people. Um, you know, that very logical explanation that'll matter to you. Um, we, we often post like B-side uh, pictures and notes and stories um, related to the episode. I think one thing we want to get back in the habit of is all the titles we didn't pick because for every good Flipping Tables episode title, there's often at least three ones that could have won. And I, I love sharing those with people. Uh, while you're at our show notes page, you should subscribe to the show. And actually, the easiest way is probably to go to your favorite podcast app, uh, whether it's the built-in podcast app for iPhone or Overcast or Pocket Casts or Podcast Addict. There's so many. And actually, just hitting the search bar on the Add a Show area of your app, you can probably just type in Flipping Tables and we'll show right up. Um, or you can type in Sunrise Robot and see all of our shows. Um, but failing that, you can also go straight to our website and there's an RSS button that should also work for you. Uh, if you'd like to support us directly, you can head to patreon.com slash sunrise robot and pledge dollars to the network, which helps us keep the lights on and the angular velocity of our tapes above zero. Uh, depending on the level you support us at, you might get your name mentioned at the end of every flipping tables or the, at the end of every single sunrise robot show. So with that special thanks to Matt Mariner, Sean Byrne, Benji Robinson, Macos Cunningham, Carolyn Kraut, Cliff Lyons, Ido Abramovich, Justin Edwards, and Joan Edwards. We love you all so much. Love OS. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye.